This free program is paid for by the listeners of Redwood Community Radio. If you're not already a member, please think of joining us. Thank you. Repeat. So I will read the disclaimer and the card for the next one and continue on. The views and opinions expressed throughout the broadcast day on KMUD are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of the station, its staff, or underwriters. Time will be made available for other viewpoints. And thank you for joining us. And support for KMUD comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an antioxidant, antifungal, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial medicine made without heat or ice, Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water-soluble. Information available at goldendragonmedicinalsyrup at gmail.com and by phone 707-223-1569. And here we have Ask Your Herb Doctor. Welcome to this month's Ask Your Herb Doctor. My name is Andrew Murray. My name is Sarah Johannesson Murray. Well, for those of you who perhaps have never listened to our shows, they run every third Friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, we're both licensed medical herbalists who trained in England and graduated there with a degree in herbal medicine. We run a clinic in Garberville where we consult with clients about a wide range of conditions and we manufacture all our own certified organic herbal extracts which are either grown on our CCUF certified herb farm or which are sourced from other USA certified organic suppliers. You're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM and from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock you're invited to call in with any questions either related or unrelated to this month's topic, a mixed topic perhaps but a topic about sugar. Sugar is good for you. All right. Okay, so the uh, number here, if you live in the area, is 923-3911, or if you live outside the area, the toll-free number is 1-800-KMUD-RAD. That's 1-800-568-3723. Uh, we can also be reached toll-free on 1-888-WBMO for further questions during normal business hours, Monday through Friday. <coughs> well, once again, we're very pleased and uh, very excited to have Dr. Raymond Pete join us on the show and share his years of wisdom and research to help us understand the uh, erroneous statements that the medical industry and the scientific community make that are so easily uh, fool us into believing that what they're saying is true. It's not always the case and uh, we want to de dedicate this next uh, 30 minutes at least or longer uh, to exposing some of the myths about sugar 
um, and especially the uh, myths about the link between uh, sugar, obesity, and diabetes and heart disease. Uh, and there's another um, doctor, uh, Dr. Ufe Ravenskov, uh, who's produced many books, uh, one of which uh, is the cholesterol myths. And the cholesterol myths, I know we're talking about sugar, but the whole link between uh, sugar and lipids and the uh, general obesity and heart disease uh, epidemic that uh, we've seen all around the world. Uh, there's def definite links between the two. Dr. Pete will bring those out and show how erroneous some of the <coughs> statements about sugar have been. So, uh, Dr. Pete, are you there? Yes. Okay, thank you for joining us once again. Um, as always, we may have uh, new listeners who've never heard the show or maybe never heard you, so I'd appreciate it if you would let people know your uh, scientific background. Oh, um, I guess I, I started basically when I started in graduate school. I had been reading on my own, uh, but uh, I decided to study physiology in the biology department at the University of Oregon. 1968, and uh, since then I've been uh, pretty much full-time working in physiology-related things. Uh, reproductive endocrinology was what I did my dissertation on, uh, how oxidative metabolism uh, interacts with aging, estrogen, and so on to regulate fertility and sterility. Um, the um, part of that uh, thesis work was um, it involved the aging of metabolism and how oxygen came to be wasted uh, more and more with aging or under the influence of stress or high estrogen. And uh, the age pigment, lipofuscin, was uh, one of the things that I found was involved in high estrogen and aging or stress or radiation damage. And uh, lipofuscin is a breakdown product of polyunsaturated fatty acids largely uh, with other things bound into little uh, brown lumps in the cells. Uh, and it consumes oxygen and wastes uh, energy and eventually can kill the cell, but uh, it, its main uh, function seems to be to, to waste oxygen and energy. And those are those little brown spots that people call age spots or liver spots on yeah, their skin. Yes, they form in the brain, on the skin, everywhere. Uh, and uh, it, they tend to get uh, form faster and faster the more stress you're under. And uh, pretty soon, uh, if, if you're under the influence of unopposed estrogen, uh, they can just... Uh, eat all the oxygen and not leave any for the cell functions. And uh, that was what really started me getting interested in the um, unsaturated fat metabolism. Uh, I did that dissertation in 1972, and that was the year that John Yudkin published his book. I think it was called um, uh, Pure White and Deadly or something, Pure White and Dangerous maybe. Um, and I read that and was so impressed by his arguments that sugar increases uh, blood lipids, uh, saturated fats, and cholesterol that that was what 
uh, started me on uh, the idea of recommending increased sugar for people who were under stress because I had already uh, become convinced that there was no basis at all for the the connection between uh, high cholesterol and saturated fats and atherosclerosis and heart disease and so on. And and so when I would see someone <clears throat> deficient in progesterone, having too much estrogen and age pigment, uh, they they would often uh, recover if they could increase their cholesterol production. And the simplest way to do that was to have them eat some extra sugar. And uh, that, that started me um, seeing the therapeutic possibilities of sugar. But um, from there, I worked backwards, understanding where the lipid hypothesis had come from, and especially the doctrine that essential fatty acids are essential nutritionally. And since they're what lipofuscin is made from, uh, it seemed increasingly important to understand uh, how that theory came about. So uh, I saw that George and Mildred Burr were the ones who had had uh, created that idea in 1929 and 30. And in their uh, experiment, they didn't at that time know about most of the essential nutrients, vitamins and minerals. And so they fed what they thought was a complete diet. And um, when they um, eliminated um, the linoleic and related so-called essential fatty acids, uh, their animals uh, developed uh, skin symptoms and and various uh, things that they called the bird disease. And uh, their diet consisted to purify it of, um, so they could put in only the nutrients that were known in 1929. Hmm. Uh, they used a high sugar content, uh, a little starch and uh, protein casein that had been highly purified. Uh, they recrystallized the sugar and uh, precipitated the casein to eliminate all vitamins and minerals from it and then added what they thought were the essential nutrients. And uh, so the animals, when they removed linoleic acid uh, from their diet, developed these uh, scaly tail symptoms and, and uh, so on. Uh, three years after that, um, George Burr put one of his rats under a, a bell jar and saw that it was burning oxygen at 50% faster rate than uh, the rats uh, getting the normal essential fatty acid uh, diet. And uh, he decided that that was because their skin was leaky because uh, he said the the essential fatty acids uh, create a barrier in the skin, to just making this up out of whole cloth. But uh, since at, in the same journals where uh, George and Mildred Burr published these ideas, 
those journals had already published articles by several well-known researchers showing that um, animals are healthier without fats in their diet and lived longer, didn't get cancer and so on. But the Burrs just absolutely ignored the counter evidence and just went ahead and published their doctrine and uh, their financiers supported them, but the world didn't pay much attention to it. Fifteen years later, in the uh, mid-1940s, Roger Williams' famous lab in Texas, University of Texas, uh, had been working on the B vitamins, discovering new B vitamins and essential minerals and such, and they created the um, exact uh, diet that Burr had fed the rats, created the so-called Burr disease, and then cured it by supplementing them with vitamin B6. And so what had happened was that uh, on a high-sugar diet, the animals were burning calories 50% faster than normal. And on a terribly deficient diet, they got scaly skin, <laughs> largely because of a vitamin B6 deficiency. And uh, the burrs, uh, that pretty much just ruined <clears throat> their, their scientific accomplishment. <clears throat> but meanwhile, the um, pig industry uh, had uh, come to have problems with uh, the, the chemical that they were using to reduce feed intake, uh, shut down their thyroid function, and make them get fat cheaply. And uh, they found that by substituting a high polyunsaturated fat diet, uh, soybeans and corn, they could suppress their thyroid just as well as using that toxic drug mm-hmm. and uh, make them get fat on a, a small food intake. And uh, the Burr's essential fatty acids uh, turned out to be uh, what was suppressing the thyroid. But at the same time, the uh, seed oil industry uh, was losing its market for extracting these unsaturated fats to use in paint and uh, plastic manufacture. And that turned the whole seed oil industry, uh, all the seed uh, products that weren't used to fatten livestock, uh, they found that they could increase the sales of these uh, extracted seed oils by promoting the idea that they were healthful for human consumption. They had been hardening them to make margarine, and uh, by promoting their uh, health benefits, they sell them directly as liquid cooking oils and salad oils. And to do that, they uh, found that a biological effect was that they lowered uh, cholesterol production, or lowered the cholesterol that appeared in the blood caused it to increase in the liver uh, as a defensive reaction. But uh, they created the doctrine of uh, cholesterol as the cause of heart disease and to uh, eat more of the unsaturated fats, even though they knew that they would create obesity, as they did in the pig industry. Uh, They convinced doctors by a huge campaign that um, cholesterol 
was found in the wall of uh, arteries that were developing atherosclerosis, and that uh, since you could lower the cholesterol in the blood, they argued that you would lower the cholesterol in the wall of the artery, and that that would prevent heart disease. And uh, uh, Ravenskov, much later, um, showed that none of those arguments uh, had any evidence to support them. Uh, the uh, atherosclerosis didn't have a direct connection to heart disease mortality. Cholesterol in the blood didn't have a connection directly with the formation of atherosclerosis. And dietary uh, fats, saturated fats, uh, didn't uh, create the cholesterol in the blood. But uh, as the there was a slight um, backsliding in the, in the ability to sell doctors on the idea of eating unsaturated fats to lower <clears throat> cholesterol. Um, uh, there was a study with veterans in which putting them on the liquid oil diet, eliminating saturated fats, caused more of them to die of heart disease <laughs> and a lot more of them to die of cancer. <clears throat> so uh, there was some problem with, with that lipid theory already in the 1960s. And John Yudkin uh, came out, he had been doing research since the mid-50s. 1972, he published this book uh, arguing that uh, sugar caused heart disease because it increased cholesterol. And already, since I knew that cholesterol didn't have anything to do with heart disease, except protecting against it to some extent, that was where I started uh, realizing that uh, he was right on the issue that sugar would increase cholesterol in some people. But didn't the, didn't the Japanese come out with a study even just recently, too, that showed when they actually took off a plaque, an atherosclerotic plaque, it was it had a cholesterol bandage over uh, oxidized yeah, but, rancid vegetable oil? Um, yeah, <coughs> cholesterol uh, protects every cell. It, it's increased in the location that's being injured, especially, but uh, it's necessary for healthy cell division, uh, DNA replication, nerve function, learning. Uh, it's our basic, our most basic anti-stress protective substance. Right. So uh, those oxidized vegetable oils were damaging the arterial wall, and the if the cholesterol wasn't there, then it couldn't have stopped the rancidity and the oxidation, and it could have caused yeah. more problems, right? Yeah, and what starts the inflammation in the, in the artery wall and everywhere else is the breakdown of the essential fatty acids into the uh, free radical products and lipofuscin. You can extract lipofuscin from every uh, arterial plaque, every degenerative mm -hmm. tissue. Uh, you find the breakdown products, uh, but you don't find fresh uh, uh, polyunsaturated fats because they're unstable. They they break down quickly, and what you find is the cholesterol that's there repairing the tissue, the saturated fats that didn't break down, and the lipofuscin, which mm -hmm. is the the ex essential fatty acids. Mm -hmm. The initial insult. 
So just for our listeners to understand, in case they're not aware of what this unsaturated fatty acid is, is it's um, all liquid vegetable oils um, that are commonly sold and things are fried in. It also includes fish oils and omega-3 oils, omega-6 oils, flaxseed oil, hemp seed oil. All of these are very, very unstable products, and they can go rancid outside the body, you know, even if you just have them at room temperature. <coughs> and once you ingest them inside your body, then they can go rancid very quickly because we're warm and we're full of oxygen. Yeah. Um, in an experiment, I put a little uh, clear plastic tube into the cork of a bottle of, of uh, safflower or corn oil and put the other end in a cup of water. And sitting at room temperature, you could see the water being sucked up into the tube as the oil sitting there was just consuming oxygen and becoming rancid, even at room temperature, but it is much faster at body temperature. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Herb Doctor on KMUD Garberville 91.1 FM. And from 7.30 until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions, either related or unrelated to this month's mixed topic of sugars and the link with cholesterol. And uh, Dr. Raymond Pete, uh, endocrinologist, PhD, is here with us tonight on the show. So those people who want to question him about anything related or, or even unrelated to this evening's subject, uh, feel free to call in numbers 1-800-KMUD-RAD. Uh, if you're outside the area or if you're local here, it's 923-3911. Okay, so Dr. Pete, um, sugar, I think it's the uh, probably the second most malign substance after cholesterol. Well, that's why that guy was calling it <laughs> the, the um, what do you call it, dead, uh, that... Oh, whitened. Pure whitened. Pure whitened deadly. And he said that it raised the cholesterol. Well, now that they've proven that cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease and sugar raises cholesterol, and that's a good guy, so... What else are they saying about sugar? Oh, um, that uh, Lustig professor at the um, University of California, San Francisco, <clears throat> in his famous lecture, uh, uses the words toxic, poison, and evil. Someone counted 18 times in an hour and a half lecture. <laughs> and that was he was referring to fructose. Fructose, yeah. Referring and to fructose. What the fruit, the sugar that's found in fruit is toxic, evil. And and, but but since uh, sucrose is 50% fructose, uh, he was applying it to sucrose too, right. or or the um, high fructose corn syrup, which is almost 50% fructose. And um, he was saying that it's just like alcohol in being toxic to the liver. Uh. But that's one of the weirdest things he said because uh, for many years. People have been showing that it detoxifies many things that injure the liver, including alcohol. It can increase almost double the rate of uh, destruction of alcohol and prevent liver damage in the process. But uh, many other toxins are detoxified in the presence of fructose. And, so, and sorry, the, our engineer just said, what about honey? And honey is mainly fructose, isn't it, Dr. Pete? Uh, about half. Half of fructose. Yeah. And um, it's honey and uh, more, more purified fructoses uh, have been used uh, to treat <coughs> diabetes and other things. Um, stomach ulcers, uh, sugar has, has been used to, to cure wounds uh, like 
uh, in emergency situations, they have found that when they didn't have antibiotics, they could do open-heart surgery and pack the wound with pure white sucrose and uh, prevent uh, scarring, promote healing uh, better than the fancy antibiotics. Um, honey was used for thousands of years that way to, to cure wounds. And uh, I think that's how Alexander the Great prevented his soldiers from having wounds. Dying, dying of, dying, uh, so spruc- uh, of honey. usually fatal battle wounds. Yeah. And the, the, um, in the 70s, uh, it was, there were many articles advocating the use of fructose in the diabetic diet uh, because of, it had become economically uh, pretty cheap. So it could be added uh, practically to anyone's diet uh, to um, improve the regulation of blood glucose. But that idea goes back to 1874. Uh, someone showed that it uh, metabolized better in diabetics than other sugars. And even earlier, sucrose was used to cure diabetes, 1856, 57. Hmm. So I wonder again: Is it uh, why is it that the mainstream science, uh, perhaps to be understand why corporations mainstream get it wrong? Mainstream medicine. But, why don't you but, say but, that? But why? Yeah. Science? Why? Why main, mainstream medical science? Why does it want to? <coughs> why does it want to promote the idea that sugar is so bad for you? Um, I, I think it's it's this momentum they're committed to the right. uh, mistaken uh, cholesterol lipid theory of heart disease and. I think uh, Yudkin uh, sort of uh, tilted the scale, and all of all of the ranting against cholesterol and animal fat has just slid over to uh, concentrate on sugar and and fructose. Okay, well, for people that are listening, um, if you have a pen and paper, uh, some very good uh, scientific reference articles written by a PhD medical doctor. Uh, the doctor's name's Ufi, U-F-F-E, Ravenskov, uh, Swedish. So it's R-A-V-N-S-K-O-V. So that's Ufi Ravenskov. Uh, he's produced about, I, well, I, th- I looked earlier, I think it was about 10 books. Uh, he's produced over 80 uh, scientific articles and uh, completely disputing uh, the cholesterol myths. And it's just another ex- excellent example uh, for people that are listening to uh, try and get their head around the fact that things come out and they are distorted or they are steered in a different direction by various interests and what we what we hear what we read what we're told is constantly kind of reinforced as people keep telling each other the same lie that you've got to be careful to not just take everything you're told as truth but look yourself and uh, and probe a little further to see if that's really the case. So this is just another glaring example um, of where cholesterol has been mentioned as the, uh, the, the evil and something you have to use cholesterol-lowering drugs to get your number down, when actually it's a very protective uh, compound. And I was just very briefly, I was looking at um, some of the uh, articles around that, showing and citing the many uh, antimicrobial protective effects of cholesterol where they used... Uh, mice in situations where they would basically uh, uh, give them cholesterol uh, or not 
uh, prior, uh, sorry, post-infection. So they would basically uh, infect, infect control mice. It, it's the same with uh, toxins. Right. Uh, as early as 1915 or 1920, people were showing that cholesterol would protect about, against toxins as well as infectious things. Right. And Ravenskoff uh, did some studies on triglycerides, showing that they are also anti-infective. Okay, Dr. Peach disappeared. Oh, no, I'm here. Okay, good. I lost you for a little bit. They're not sure <coughs> what happened. Okay, carry on. Um, uh, he showed that the um, triglycerides protect against uh, infective things, and uh, other people have shown that they are uh, anti-inflammatory. And uh, the low-density uh, lipoprotein and the uh, also the high-density that... Uh, it happens if you have extreme exposure to chemicals, your high-density lipoproteins increase, uh, and so they associate with a higher incidence of cancer. But and we're told that those are the good guys, and that you want a high, high HDL. I mean, high HDL. Yeah, uh, they're all good in the sense that uh, <clears throat> they uh, are there to protect you, but. Uh, when they're in elevated levels, it's showing yeah. that there's something else wrong. Like if you're low thyroid, you can have a cholesterol of a total cholesterol of 300. Yeah, if if you take uh, alcohol or estrogen, your HDL will go up. But also if you take chlorinated hydrocarbons and <laughs> other things, they'll go up. Like if you work in a dry cleaning factory, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but getting getting back to sugar and the uh, the the, the uh, erroneous uh, link then between sugar and obesity and diabetes and heart disease, uh, the same thing that uh, that Burr demonstrated his diet, you know, was uh, most of the energy was from right. plain sucrose, right. and his animals respired 50 percent right. faster than <laughs> animals on a normal diet. Uh -huh. That's been seen over and over. Uh, fructose in particular, even a small amount of fructose added to a standard diet will catalyze the um, oxidation of, of other substances, glucose and fat both, mm -hmm. but mostly it catalyzes the use of uh, glucose, turning it to carbon dioxide. Right. So it helps your cells use oxygen more efficiently, helps a cell res uh, respire, which is you know, basically function better. Yeah, and that increase is just about 30 to 50% in all of the publications where they've looked at it. And, and the increased CO2 is also very beneficial, and that's another erroneous uh, belief or misconception that CO2 is actually bad and oxygen is good, but it's actually the other way around, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and experimenters who have given a fructose supplement to diabetics see that they respond just as well or better than people without diabetes to the ability to oxidize fructose and produce energy. Mm. And one group <clears throat> happened to look at the fructose that's normally present in everyone's bloodstream and uh, compared it to diabetics and saw that diabetics are deficient in fructose. There's almost no fructose mm. circulating in their bloodstream. And so uh, naturally, it would be uh, therapeutic to restore a normal level, yeah. uh, but 
uh, since they aren't able to metabolize glucose, that's mm-hmm. apparently why they uh, metabolize fructose to carbon dioxide even a little faster than healthy people do. Okay. Uh, so that's uh, orange juice and honey for diabetics. Uh, yeah. And we do have a caller on the line. Yeah. Okay, well, let's take, let's take the first caller. You're on the air? Hello? Hi, you're on the air. Hi, I was just curious. I take uh, Lavaza. Are you saying that that stuff ain't no good? Uh, what was the substance? Lavaza. It's fish oil. Oh, um, well, it's better than seed oils because it's so unstable that it pretty much breaks down before it gets integrated into your tissues as much as the seed oils would. Uh, okay, so you figure I should just stop taking this stuff? Um, yeah, I don't know any benefit except temporarily it lowers inflammation, but that's by basically poisoning the immune system. That anti-inflammatory effect is similar to uh, the anti-inflammatory effect of stress or radiation. Whoops, we lost him. Something. We lost Dr. No, Pete. Dr. Pete, you're not there? Hello, Dr. Pete? Uh, Dr. Pete, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. There we go. Hello? Hello? Oh, yes, okay. you're, you're there and your caller's there too, sorry. For some okay, reason so we you're lost cut out. So you were explaining that the uh, negative effects of the fish oil, uh, or rather the only positive effect was the uh, slight anti-inflammatory effect, the transient. Yeah. Through suppression of the immune system, yeah. which is similar to, um, they used to use radiation, x-rays to treat rheumatoid arthritis and, uh, rheumatoid arthritis and psoriasis because it, it, it suppressed the immune system. But it's very pricey. But it's pricey. It's a, it's a, because it's suppressing your immune system, you risk increased cancer, increased heart disease, all sorts of problems later on in life if you uh, use it long term. Well, I've already had, I still have heart disease. I've had four-way bypass surgery, three heart attacks, and both my carotid arteries cleaned and seven angioplasties. So I'm pretty much at the end of my rope. And they gave me this stuff to lower my cholesterol. The count was 203. Well, that's not high. Wow. So 203, their reference range is uh, 200. So even by medical standards, 203 is not. Is that what it was after you were taking the fish oil or before? That, I've uh, been, uh, I just started taking this stuff a couple of years ago, but I've been uh, wondering about it because it just makes me sick. Okay, well, Doctor, how old are you, by the way? I'm 60 years old. Okay, well, I, I know that Dr. Pete's a very strong advocate through plenty of uh, papers that have also agreed that a higher than 200 cholesterol is actually better and decreases the incidence or prognosis of uh, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, and other degenerative changes. As well as changes. heart disease. So you should actually have or be happy that a cholesterol that's uh, over 200, between 200 and 250 would be good. Well, that's good. Huh. Now that it's already there, I don't have to work on it. <laughs> yeah, but the fish oil, the, the, uh, the fish oil is not, not a good idea. And what the fish oil does when someone has a cholesterol test, it just measures what's in the blood. It doesn't look at if it changes anything in the tissue level. So basically, what happens when you take a fish oil, a supplement, and it lowers your blood cholesterol, 
is that it actually gets deposited in other tissues, like you mentioned earlier, Dr. in your liver. And so that's actually not good for your liver because then you could end up with a fatty liver disease. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to stop taking it right now then. Yeah, to make sure that your dietary intake of fats is basically butter, coconut oil. Um, and if you're not yeah, a vegetarian... Saturated animal fats, that's probably the only good fats. Yeah, we use that country crop mostly. Is that bad? Yeah. <laughs> that's um, vegetable oil. You don't want to use that. Anyway, okay, well... Um, thank you for your call. If you if you want to know more about what we're talking about here, you can always give us a, a, a call um, Monday through Friday. We'll give out the number at the end of the show and also a reference uh, for Dr. Raymond Peet's uh, contact details and the work that he's published. Okay, we have two more callers on the line, so let's take the next uh, next caller. One was a quick, you say it for me, what about glycerin? Okay, Dr. Peet, what about glycerin? Oh, um... I'm uh, sort of um, ambivalent about it because uh, it, some research shows that it is protective and uh, can work somewhat like fructose, but my own experience with with it is that it can cause a lot of uh, digestive irritation. Okay. Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> a good question I have just before we take the next caller. Is one of the protective... Uh, effects of fructose is that it is non-fermentable as a as fructose is, is non-fermentable oh well uh, when you eat uh, any uh, free sugar uh, sucrose or fructose or glucose it is so quickly absorbed in the upper part of the intestine uh, the jejunum gets the biggest part of it and uh, that means that you're not feeding uh, sugar to bacteria because the intestine should be uh, pretty uh, sterile in the upper part. Right. Okay. Because well, we were just talking to a winemaker who said that if you want to make mead from honey, you have to heat the honey to, in order to break down the fructose, and then, then you can ferment the product. Otherwise, honey is not fermentable, and that's why it can last thousands of years with without going bad. I think you have to add water to it to dilute it right to dilute the sugar content. Okay, sorry. Okay, so get in there before the next callers. caller. Let's, let's take the next caller. You on yeah? Yes, is this me? Yes, you're on yeah. I'm very interested in Dr. Peep's attitude towards sugar. I have Lyme disease and when I have any actual sugar from like sugar cane, I my affected joint hurts immediately. I can have honey or maple syrup, and it doesn't affect it. And I'm also very interested in the relationship between sugar and cancer. I've been reading this anti-cancer diet book by a French physician who says that uh, sugar is a great promoter of cancer. Dr. P. Um, yeah, that, that's a, a whole uh, topic in itself. Um, the uh, if you look at the blood sugar in a, an animal or person carrying a tumor, uh, their blood sugar generally is at least normal. And uh, even if they don't eat any sugar, uh, they'll still keep their blood sugar at about the same level. And they've, they've 
been many attempts to starve a cancer by lowering the blood sugar, but the, the cancer, the tumor is sending out signals to uh, provide sugar and protein, amino acids, and uh, fatty acids that it needs to grow. And so if you cut off the sugar supply, all it does is send out more stress signals to increase the uh, basically cortisol production uh, to uh, break down your tissues, and it causes tissue wasting, the cachexia that is the worst feature of cancer usually, is produced by the stress hormones which are converting your proteiny tissues and fat tissues into food for the cancer to make up for the absence of sugar. Uh, one experimenter uh, using um, to treat tumors of, for example, the leg would, since the circulation could be isolated, uh, they put in a high concentration of glucose into the artery feeding this uh, tumor in the extremity, and they could get an extremely high concentration of sugar to it, and it killed the tumor uh, without hurting the healthy tissue because the tumor has such a, an unlimited appetite for anything uh, that it will eat itself to death. Uh, in in vitro, if you feed unsaturated fats to cancer cells, they'll eat themselves to death. But in the body, uh, the unsaturated fats uh, are under control. Uh, other tissues will consume them and be injured, and the, the, you can't do anything but stimulate a cancer with, with the unsaturated fats. But with high concentration of sugar, uh, the experimenters showed that sugar would be consumed to the point that it would uh, kill the cancer. But I'm interested in the fact that sugar makes my affected ankle with Lyme horrible, hurts terribly, but honey and maple syrup don't. I find that very curious. Um, the... Um, Sucrose is the uh, main ingredient in maple syrup, and the balance of uh, fructose and glucose in honey is approximately the same. Uh, so it must be the other ingredients that are having the effect. Yeah, I find it very strange. Well, there are <coughs> excuse me. There are some minerals in maple syrup, and <coughs> I don't know what else is in honey, but there's you know it, it's it definitely has more than just fructose and sucrose. Um, yeah, that was one of the uh, things that Yudkin uh, used for his argument that that uh, fructose was poison. Uh, he said uh, that it wasn't the absence of minerals and vitamins in the white sugar that made it poison. Uh, and he gave arguments uh, showing that... Uh, he wasn't really any more logical than uh, George Burr had been. Uh, Yudkin believed that he knew what 
all of the nutritional requirements were, and he said that the difference in the known nutrients between uh, molasses and white sugar were so trivial uh, that it couldn't be that white white sugar and white bread were um, causing nutritional deficiencies. It was just that they were poison. Uh, well, my parents ate astounding amounts of white sugar, astounding, and they both lived into their 90s in reasonably good shape. So I find that very interesting. Anyway, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. Okay, well, it's uh, 7.45 here. Uh, until the end of the show at 8 o'clock, you're invited to call in with any questions you may have. Our uh, guest speaker this evening is Dr. Raymond Peet. Uh, the show is mainly about sugar. Uh, we'll be diverging into cholesterol, and if people want to call and ask Dr. Peet questions about any other related subjects, they're very welcome. That's uh, 923 if you're in the area, 3911 or 1-800-KMUD-RAD. I think we've got two more callers and the light's going now, so maybe more Hello? so. Next caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, yeah. Um, okay, um, what I'm hearing here is there is a difference between fructose and white processed pure white sugar. Um, obviously, I mean, uh, the, all the medical people are not against fructose because I'm always hearing, even in mainstream magazines about nutrition, eat more fruits and, fruits and vegetables. So fruit is good for you. There's no question about that. And the sugar in fruit is good for you. Well, there are and lots of, there's lots of um, doctors now saying that even fructose is a poison and you shouldn't have it, and that's what... Well, I've never heard of that. Well, that's but what I do know is that there's a difference. I feel differently, it tastes different, and I feel different when I eat... Uh, something made with just pure white sugar than with honey or maple syrup or, you know, a fruit juice that doesn't have any added sugar. It tastes better. It feels better. And I think that an overload of, of white sugar that's pure sucrose without any fructose in it, I think, is the culprit here. Because I know that uh, there are some metabolisms uh, where uh, insulin will take sugar, and especially, you know, plain just sucrose, will uh, lay that down and store it as fat. And, uh, you know, that's part of why uh, people get, get fat when they eat a lot of uh, white sugar and white flour. But, um, and also, it, when, the, when a person has diabetes and the insulin isn't producing, it can't take care of the sugar. So, I mean, uh, too much white sugar seems to stress out the pancreas to where it gets exhausted and can't produce enough insulin to take care of a normal amount of sugar. Well, if you're actually looking at glycemic indexes, the glycemic indexes of some potatoes and rice are almost double that of white sugar. Fructose, like you said, has a lower glycemic index than sucrose, but sucrose is not the guy that pure white sugar is not the guy that causes obesity and <clears throat> heart disease, sure, if you eat enough of anything, you're going to get uh, increased weight gain. Well, uh, so you're saying that um, white rice and white potatoes and white flour have a higher glycemic index than, than white sugar? Yeah, some yeah. potatoes are almost double, and some white rices are almost double that of white sugar. And what kind of potatoes? <clears throat> I... 
any potatoes. It just depends yeah, what the sugar content. Okay, well, I don't. I, I I do eat some potatoes, but I pretty but stay away from white rice. It seems pretty empty. I like brown rice and whole grains and whole grain breads. Uh, I know that the white the the white uh, uh, simple carbohydrates, white flours and white bread, they're no good for you. Well, it's also too when you eat when people eat white sugar. I mean, who would just you can just eat a piece of fruit, right? That's Fair yeah. enough. That's easy to do. Yeah. But who just sit, sits there and eats white sugar? Well, no, but you can put a whole lot of sugar in your coffee. You can put a whole lot of sugar in your lemonade. Sugar becomes addicting. Sometimes the desire for it increases, and you want more and more and more. I think why the fattening effects of sugar has happened is because it's in cakes and cookies and all these fattening foods that actually have quite a high glycemic index besides just the sugar. So you're saying if you ate sugar... That was not mixed with white flour, it would be, well, it wouldn't be as highly caloric, but you're saying it wouldn't be as, as fattening because of the glycemic index either? Right, if you were yeah, to... It increases no, your ability to burn fat by 30 to 50%, so you can eat much more without getting fat. Of the sucrose, as long as you stay away from the white flour and the white rice. Yeah. Yeah, so, that, because so all the... and candy... And that's worse for you than, let's say, if you had a, a pie, a fruit pie that you added a bunch of sugar to, but the crust was a whole wheat crust, that would be okay. Well, the, the, even the, I mean, all the grains and starches and beans and all of those, carbo, those starchy carbohydrates, they all have a higher glycemic index than fruits, honey, and white sugar. So, so mostly you don't even put white sugar you know, unless you add it to your coffee or your lemonade or whatever, you you don't. Or your ice cream. And and how and what about ice cream? That's mixed with mostly fats. Is is that just as bad? As... No, well, no, because there's no starch there. So the glycemic. If we're talking about glycemic index and raising your sugar and causing obesity, it's more the higher glycemic index. Well, I can weigh pretty fast on ice cream, but it's probably the calories right, and all the, the fat and, and the, the egg yolks. And, yeah, it's the but, fat in the in the cream. But yeah, if you decided you were going to eat sugar, but not mixed with any uh, kind of uh, carbohydrates. I drink orange juice and I eat fresh fruits. And I make lemonade and... Well, that's... I, I believe in fructose, and, and I think that's good, although you can overdo anything. I mean, I when I drink fruit juice, uh, I usually drink it without any added sucrose, but I dilute it with half water so that I'm not getting too much even of the fructose. But there's like 600 calories sometimes in a quart of good juice that has no added sugars right, and it, from and, the fructose. And one last thing. I know we've got one more caller, so we okay. need to wrap this up. But the other thing is that when you have a fruit sugar... Or any sugar, you should have it balanced with a fat and a protein so you slow release the sugar so your liver can store it. So you can use it for longer rather than a huge spike of sugar that then your body pumps out insulin and then it gets stored as fat. Okay, so if you have chocolate, that's a good way to take it. Well, chocolate doesn't have the protein. Maybe uh, Uh, chocolate with a glass of milk. (laughs) All right, thank you. All right, thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. Well, just so we can get the next caller in who's been waiting patiently, you're on the air? Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Yes, I'm calling from Eureka. My name is Mike. Thank you for taking the call, and thank you to the uh, to the people there I'm talking to. I, I work Dr. Pete and uh, Andrew and and, Sarah. The, and the ladies. <laughs> Sarah. My question is about LP little a, lipoprotein little a, and collagen. Uh, they work on each other. Is there a loss of collagen when the, the LP little a is high? And if that's true, how do you lower the LP little a if you have to, and how do you raise the collagen? And I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. 
No, Dr. Pete, did you hear that caller's question? No, cut out. Uh, the, the, the gentleman wants to know the relationship between uh, lip, lipoprotein A and collagen. Um, I think he, you know, I think that was the main, the main question. Uh, lipoprotein A? Yeah, I think that's what he said. LP, LPA. I think he was getting at lipoprotein A rather than... Do, is he he just said LP little, little a. a. So yeah. I'm presuming that's lipoprotein A. Um... I don't know what to do. All right. Well, there's, there's no, there is another caller here. Maybe so he can call back and... Yeah. Um, <coughs> okay, let's take the next caller then. Yes. You're on the air. Okay. I just wondered if you could verify one thing that I've heard and whether or not it's a myth. I've heard that high fructose corn syrup uh, blocks a chemical signal that goes to the brain when you've had enough food to eat or enough uh, to drink and it blocks that signal, causing people to want to eat more and drink more. Mm -hmm. That's leptin that they're talking about. Uh, what is it? I knew it was. It began with a P, but I couldn't... It's leptin, leptin with an L. Oh, L. L-E-P-T-I-N. Yeah. Okay, I can get off and let somebody else on. I'd just like to hear whether or not this is true. Okay, that's, that, I think that came from one of those doctors that was anti-fructose uh, uh, lustig. lustig. Yeah, yeah the... Um, the pharmaceutical industry was hoping to promote leptin as a, a natural uh, anti-obesity chemical uh, when they discovered it uh, limited appetite. But as it has developed over the last uh, 12 or so years, uh, it turns out that it is produced uh, when you overeat, especially on fat, and it's produced by fat cells, uh, especially in obese people, a lot of it is produced, and when you have a lot of it, and when the brain responds to it, it does shut off your appetite, but it also happens to activate inflammatory processes, and it, um, in, for example, in breast cancer, it's found to be uh, the signal that turns on the cancer metabolism called aerobic glycolysis, where the cancer, even in the presence of oxygen, uh, needs sugar or, or will uh, burn sugar at a high inefficient rate. Uh, so leptin turns out to be one of the means by which obesity causes its damage, um, rather than being uh, some mysteriously uh, wonderful protective molecule. It's, it's part of our regulatory system, but in fat people it gets out of whack and causes uh, harmful effects rather than regulatory effects. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it's the bad guy. Leptin's the bad guy. And it, it happens that fructose suppresses it relative to other foods. Right. Okay, well, just... Um just as an aside, a quick aside, the, uh, I know most people that are listening to the show are probably way more conscious uh, than to drink artificially sweetened juices or artificially sweetened sodas. But with the, uh, the tend and the fad towards artificial sweeteners as a replacement for good old sugar, um, there's quite a few nasty sugars, uh, sugar replacements out there. And very briefly... Um, they're all bad. <laughs> they're all bad. So things like things like saccharin uh, were shown to cause allergic reactions, and sucralose is a relatively new one. 
and I won't go through the chemical process that's used to produce it, but let's just say that there's nothing else like it in nature and it's not good for you. Uh, and then acesulfame K uh, is known to be a carcinogen containing methylene chloride. So um, plenty of the uh, alternative sweeteners that are supposed to be uh, good for you because sugar's not, uh, actually very bad for you folks, so um, don't even think about it. Okay. And our engineer has a question. I'm putting one in for somebody. Somebody with hypothyroidism and low cholesterol, what could the link be there? I'm probably eating too much starch. That's the commonest cause of that pattern. Uh, fructose in particular acts very much like T3, but both uh, glucose and fructose increase the conversion of the inactive thyroxin to the active T3 uh, and they do several things to increase the thyroid activity lowering the stress hormones um, as well as increasing the active thyroid hormone and the um, energy provided by both the uh, glucose and the T3 in the liver uh, will give it the energy to produce the uh, cholesterol that's needed if you're eating enough uh, sugar and not uh, uh, producing toxins in your intestine by eating uh, hard-to-digest, fibrous, uh, starchy foods. So they could replace their starchy carbohydrates, their breads, their grains, their beans, their rice with fruits and honey in combination with the protein so that it's not just sugar on its own, and that would help their liver to increase thyroid hormone as well as to increase their cholesterol. Yeah, and all of the uh, sugary fruits uh, come with a very high concentration of potassium and other minerals that help to metabolize the sugar in a, a safe way so you don't turn it to fat. Dr. Pete, I wonder, would you just um, mention the name again so people perhaps if they're sitting there with a pen and paper they can write it down and get on the internet and do some more reading. Uh, Udkin, you mentioned that, that gentleman. Oh, Yudkin spelled Y-U-D-K-I-N. Okay, great. And then uh, we also mentioned... And U what was Yudkin for? Uh, he was the, the one that popularized the glucose causes, or uh, sucrose causes heart disease. Right. And okay, then, so that's a, uh, that's a myth, his, his yeah. information. And then the, the medical doctor and PhD uh, researcher, Ufi Ravenskov, R-A-V-N-S-K-O-V, uh, done many, many good works there. It looks like the cholesterol myths, one of the, one of the larger, larger things that he's done that we well, are talking about this evening. Anyway, so, uh, unfortunately, I'd love this to go on for longer. I always do when you're on the show, Dr. Pete. Thanks so much for joining us again. And thank you, callers, for calling in. Very good questions. Um, okay, so until the third Friday of next month, uh, if people want information on Dr. Raymond Pete, uh, www.rayPeat.com. Uh, a big list of fully referenced scientific articles disputing things that most of us have been brainwashed to believe are not good for us. Uh, go ahead and read it. I mean, it's all there. you just got to take some time out and read. Okay, so for those people who have called this evening, thanks so much for your calls. It's always good to have people that are interested and want to know more. And for those who want to get in contact with us uh, Monday through Friday, we can be reached 1-888-WBM-HERB. And until the third Friday of next month, is there anything else? No, that's um, October 21st. Okay, well, thank you so much. Have a, have a great weekend and see you next month. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
And support for KMUD comes in part from Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup, an anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antibacterial, antioxidant medicine made without heat or ice. Golden Dragon Medicinal Syrup is organic, edible, topical, cosmetic, and water-soluble. Information available at goldendragonmedicinalsyrup at gmail.com and by phone 707-223-1569. This is Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville, KMUE Eureka. Please remember that this program is supported by the listener members of Redwood Community Radio. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a member of KMUD or renewing if you've already joined. A regular yearly membership is $50, but we accept any amount. Help us keep free speech alive. 